Welcome back to the Don't Stop Me Now podcast, where being negative can be a good thing, and being positive can turn the world against you. I am your HIV positive host, Miss Jennifer Levon, and I'm back to give you a little sunshine in your day, a little comfort in your step, a little confidence in your stride, and a warm vocal hug from me to you, from California to wherever you are in the world. Thank you for choosing me, and thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Yes, I am back. I am sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had a little bit of a meltdown the last time I was on this podcast. Um, I think it was a multitude of reasons of why I just felt like I was done with social media. It all sort of hit me at once and it just culminated into this one big, I'm just fucking over it. I'm out of here. And, um, I talked about it on my podcast, but I'm back. And, um, it has a little bit to do with Simon Rex. I talked about him in my podcast, and guess what? He caved. He totally caved. Listen to this. All right, I did it. I proved my point. Six months off the fucking gram, dude. What, like, I'm so annoying. All I do is talk about it, like, oh, life's so much better. This guy's behind me. I'm double parked, dude. See how annoying I am? I'm even annoying this. Anyway, I proved my point. Fuck everybody. I'm going to stick around on the gram. Is this dude waiting on me, dude? Fuck you, dude. Wait, oh, he wasn't even waiting on me. See how annoying I am? See? Wait, I'm back, baby. Back on the gram. Get ready for some horrible content. (laughs) So that's Simon Rex. I am so glad he's back. I didn't realize how happy he makes me. And um, I follow him religiously on Instagram again. And yeah, I took about a week off. And I have to say... It's definitely hormones in my case that played into the absence or just being fed up with social media in general. And then it all kind of happened at the same time that I realized Simon Rex wasn't on Instagram. And then I realized that he hadn't been on for months and I hadn't even noticed. And I thought, wow, like this famous, super good looking guy is just deciding to turn it all off. And then he talks about this book. And so I buy the book on Audible and I start listening to it and I'm like, oh my God, I'm just definitely just another like part of this machine that they've created and I'm just a sheep. Well, I am. I mean, we all are. If we're on social media, we definitely all are part of it. And I know it's addicting and I know there's, um, you know, it's affecting our endorphins and our dopamine levels and we're getting a hit every time we get likes. I I understand all this. Everybody understands all that. And is it unhealthy? Yeah, (laughs) it is. But it's also fun. I mean, it is. It's also fun. So if you can balance it out and understand and and know what's happening, and I I think like that's part of the battle is if you really know what's happening with all of it, then um, maybe it's not so bad. That's my way of um, (laughs) uh, bringing myself back into it without feeling guilty. But he, him caving made me feel like, oh my gosh, I kind of do want to do this again. I never wanted to give up the podcast. I was definitely um, down for that, but I was looking into how to like get rid of my website. I was literally trying to delete it and it just spun and spun and spun when I did this one thing that said, if you continue with this action, like it will go away and it, it didn't work. I don't know what happened, but it never went away. And so I was like, that's kind of interesting that it didn't work because I I was really acting out irrationally and I'm sort of glad that it didn't um, go away. I mean, it does cost like $450 a year to have my website up and sometimes I wonder if that's worth it, but I did put a lot of work into it 
people do go to it. So uh, I'm, it's, I'm glad it's there. And I think also the hormonal thing is just, I don't know, it's just the girl thing. Once a month, we definitely get down in the dumps and everything just kind of feels awful. And so that was hitting me at the same time. And I just, when all of that was happening, I was just like, I don't want to be Jennifer with HIV. I just want to be Jennifer again. And then when I come out of that dark cloud, I'm fine with being Jennifer with HIV. I don't care. It like doesn't bother me. I still feel like Jennifer. I don't, sorry. Um, I don't feel like Jennifer with HIV, even though everything on my social media says it. Um, but for some reason, you know, during that week or whatever, I was just feeling just didn't want to associate with social media at all. And there could have been several messages that I got from people that were just overwhelming. Um, I mean, people write to me and say that they're suicidal and they need to talk to me right away. There's people that are calling me through my social media. Like there's a lot of things like that that happen behind the scenes that people don't see. And a lot of that gets to me. It's just too much. It's like, I cannot help everybody. And it, it blows my mind that people will try to come into my world um, not even thinking about my privacy or like what might uh, my life might be like at the, that moment that I'm really going to take a phone call from a complete stranger and counsel them. Like the fact that there are so many people that have done that to me just blows my mind. Like I, it's so rude. And I, I think like, you know, I'm just some person, like I'm not a service to you. So go to your doctor or go go somewhere um, where there's counseling or something like there's so much on the internet that's free but to bombard me with personal phone calls or messages of uh, you know being so distraught that they're saying they're going to kill themselves if I don't contact them or come you know they the begging constantly over and over please man please 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 ma'am look at my messages I need to hear back from you or this or that and it's like you know, I go to bed with a lot of these things swirling around in my head and it is overwhelming at times. And people ask me, um, I've been doing some TikTok lives and people have asked me, you know, what do you take for your mental health, meaning medication, or do you go to counseling for your HIV diagnosis? And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't take medication for any, I don't have depression. I don't have anxiety. Um, and no, I don't go to any kind of counseling for having HIV. I've never needed that, but um, what I need it for is how to deal with people that reach out to me through social media, because that can be completely overwhelming. And there, <laughs> I did go to a counselor one time about it, and she was just more fascinated with my story and the fact that people were reaching out to me that we didn't come up with any plan or conclusion, or I kind of talked myself through the counseling session. And then I thought, well, I didn't, she didn't help me at all. I like literally just kind of said out loud what I think I needed to make things better in my mind for myself so that I can continue with um, my advocacy. But, and then it was funny. My girlfriend, Kira said, what? You can't go off social media. Cause I told her I was going to turn everything off. And she was, Oh my God. She's like, you help so many people. You're like, it's like a service that how could you just turn this off? And she means like, it's a service just having my story out there and talking through social media and sharing, you know, what I know about HIV and everything. And she's like, you, you can't do that. Like, how could you do that? Cause I was trying to show her the side of social media. That's so disgusting and gross and how people are just trying to become, um, you know, it's like a popularity thing. And she said, but that's not what this is, Jennifer. Oh my God. She's like, you need to step back and like realize like what, how this is helping people. And I'm like, you're right. You're right. That I, there is a whole different like element to my social media that isn't, you know, um, 
the Kardashians or something like that. So yeah, it made me all of these things kind of, and then I got so many nice comments, um, in my on my YouTube channel because that's basically where you can send me messages as that's where I see them so I was going to read some of those because I thought they were so nice um sometimes I'll get them through my dms I don't always see them on Instagram but um people were really really sweet so here let me find one here (laughs) that guy wasn't sure who that was um Ingrid Hebert says uh, I will miss you for sure, Jennifer. Love listening to your podcast. The only one I actually listen to exclamation point like that. Wow. Thank you. Jesus. And hearing all about your adventures. I also love your positive and caring energy. I hope you keep this one up. So thank you, Ingrid. That definitely boosted my esteem. This one from Ella Bennett. Your interviews in particular have been excellent at stopping the stigma. I will miss you. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Ella. I'm not leaving. <laughs> uh, from Mar Tad, two words. Um, I had to pause at no one will miss me. That's what I said in the last podcast. She said, well, or he, I don't know who Mar is. Um, I will miss you and many others. We live completely different lives. I'm 35. I'm a 35 year old woman from, okay, woman, uh, from Croatia, Europe, Catholic and quite traditional. And I love your podcast so much. I check up every couple of days. If there is a new one, I love your approach to life, positivity, and your openness to new experiences in general. That's something that I don't have, but value so much and others. Please continue making podcasts. They really put value in my life. I wish you all the best. Ah, thank you, Martad. And let's see, this is from Nami Zani, N-O-M-I-Z-A-N-A, and then a space and then a capital N as in Nancy. I've been a silent follower. I had to comment and thank you. I was diagnosed at the end of 2019. And your video on taking a pill was one was one first to pop up and explain simply. My anxiety dropped and through yours and others on Facebook's coaching, I live positively. Um, So Jennifer, you will be missed. I look forward to your podcast and notice when you are away too long. I completely understand the need for a break and agree you have done your part. I love how you say when inspiration hits you, you'll do do a podcast. Well done, dear. You can take a bow. (laughs) She gave me clapping hands. So thank you so much and hugs to you. Um, Louise Adams from Ireland. Hi, Louise. Um, hi, Jennifer. I only listen to you here and love you, meaning my YouTube channel, not my, not through Apple or Spotify. I think you have done a remarkable job and the people you have helped reached, answered questions and educated over the years. Your Facebook for people living with HIV you often referenced are the people who you gave a safe space to and helped to feel stigma free as well as people like me who you help to educate and be more compassionate. Now it's your turn to be more than the HIV lady and live your life. The saying that the web brings us closer to so many, but takes away from those sitting to us is so true, but takes away from those sitting next to us is so true. Now is your time. Well, Louise, <laughs> I'm not leaving, but thank you for understanding. Standing. Um, Richard Beatty in England, he's been a longtime follower um, he says, hi, Jennifer. I can't see how anyone could disagree with the choice you've made. I certainly don't. 
you've had a real effect on how HIV and AIDS are perceived due to the fact you were brave enough to get your story out there. Had you not done so, I'm not sure whether my attitude would have altered, nor my ignorance diminished. You've done so much, but now it's time to enjoy your life without the pressures that social media bring. I will, of course, remain a follower on whichever platform you exist, especially where your podcast is concerned. Thank you for what you have done. You deserve some R&R now. Enjoy. Thank you, Richie. I, it wasn't that long, huh? <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't do this for a pity party. I swear to you all I did. And I really, really, really was fed up and I was just done. I was ready to delete everything. I mean, I will delete Twitter. I never used it anyways. Um, two, the number two, Morrow says smart move. Jennifer, um, this person, I could, I, it was incomprehensible what they wrote. Um, uh, let's see. There was another one from Sherlock Holmes, who I actually thought was my ex. I honestly did. I thought he was stalking me with this account, but I guess I'm wrong. Uh, hey, Jennifer, I am a longtime fan. Back when you started your story, I understand how materialism can take over one's life, but I find podcasts to be much more con con content focused without the superficiality. Um, just my way of saying, I hope to hear from you on here again soon. Um, and so thank you, Sherlock Holmes. Uh, I am here. I am back. So um, thanks to all who had such nice comments and it gets me emotional um, because I, I'll, I, I know that I help people. I do know that. I know that I have an effect on people's lives um, just by sharing my story and, um, it, it's like you think you don't think to every single person, but then when you read what one person wrote, it really does. It really is mind blowing. And, um, and I realize I am in a very special position and that I, I don't want to just throw it away. This position of being out there with a voice to be able to help people. But at times I think I do need to take a break. And I, maybe I'll just write a big note on my wall and say, Jennifer, remember the next time you feel overwhelmed and you want to walk away from it all, you can do that quietly. You don't have to make an announcement and scare everyone. Just take a break and, and you, you'll probably pass through it and you'll come back in a week or so and probably feel a lot better and you can resume. And that's what I will do. I, it really, really, truly wasn't a tantrum in any way or like I needed attention. I just really thought that was the end for me. I really did. And it maybe it was just pre-menopause. I don't know. And my hormones are more, um, more insane than they normally are. I'm not sure, but I really was like, fuck, I'm out. I'm out of here. Um, and oh, okay. So that brings me to, um, not really, I don't know if this is a good segue or not, but, um, while I'm watching my Fire TV, I watch, um, you know, Peacock Channel and YouTube and Netflix and um, not really the main networks, but those paid apps that I have on my Fire TV. And so anyways, there's some ads on there and I always end up seeing ads for HIV medication. I see Big Tarvi a lot, Descovy, um, Truvada. I think those are the three main ones that I think I see. I think I've seen Devado too, which is my medication. So I decided to do um, a little poll on my HIV, my Jennifer Vaughn HIV account and see if everyone's seen these same commercials. 
And it was like 65% yes, and then 35% no. And, and then the 65%, like a lot of them were HIV positive for the most part. But here's the thing, even if they're not HIV positive, they interacted with an account that, and maybe in the past they've interacted with an account, meaning me, who has HIV. And so that will, that will bring those commercials to them because yes, we are being watched completely. Cause I was just like, is the general public like hearing about HIV medication all the time? Like, it's crazy. I hear about it all the time. Like I, if I didn't have HIV, I would think this was a little weird. I'd be like, why do I hear about HIV medication all the time when I haven't heard about it in years and years and years, meaning HIV, because yeah, before I was diagnosed, uh, it wasn't on my radar at all. So I would have been thinking, I would have been thinking that that would be very strange to be seeing all of these commercials. Um, but what I found and what makes sense is that most of the people that follow me somehow have some involvement with HIV. Either they have it or they know someone who has it or they are involved through an AIDS service organization, something to that extent. Or the fact that they just follow me and have interacted with my account. So there, yes, we are completely being watched. Our data is being collected and we are being sent targeted ads based on what we look at. And you could even be HIV negative, but be totally freaked out that you have HIV. So you've Googled a bunch, bunch of shit on the internet about HIV. And so then you're going to get targeted ads about HIV sent to you. And um, so then somebody from Amsterdam, thank you, you know who you are if you listen to this, um, he sent me a YouTube link to, um, I don't remember that, oh, I'll put it in my, um, I'll put it in my, um, my description here. It was something about data brokers and it was some, um, um, I don't know, it seemed like a English like talk show gentleman, John, somebody, but anyways, it was all about data brokers and how there are these people that pay money for our information. I think most people know this, but it's super scary and creepy, but incredibly fascinating and so genius. It's like, of course, like this makes so much sense in today's technology that we can uh, gather information about every single person and tailor all of the things that um, that they like um, as far as ads and make sure that that's what comes to them on their screens so that they are getting the proper ads. And um, as an advertising minor, I find it, yeah, completely fascinating and I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm not against it. I think it's, I think it's super cool, honestly. So yeah, there's people that buy our data, our information, data brokers. And um, anyways, I just found that whole thing fascinating. And somebody had else, uh, somebody had else, somebody else had pointed out to me that they like that there are HIV commercials out there just because it brings awareness and it puts it out there again. But again, if you hadn't said anything about HIV or followed somebody with HIV or had been looking up anything on the internet regarding HIV, HIV, you probably are not seeing these ads. More than likely, you are not. Okay, so moving on, I thought I would maybe, I don't know, go into my DMs and answer a few questions. So I received this from a girl who's HIV positive, and she says, I've been following you for a few months. I was diagnosed right, at, right when the pandemic started, and I thought it was the end of my life. From what I can tell, she might be Brazilian, and I, there's just a bikini picture, and she looks like she's a little 
bit sexy. <laughs> I can't see her all the way, but she looks really pretty. Uh, I precisely got it from an quote-unquote exclusive partner who was into the DL life, meaning the down low life. Uh, he was having sex with men in secret. As I have seen you explaining it too, it was a pretty abusive relationship physically and psychologically. I suffered from PTSD, went into therapy and been, and well, I think uh, English is her second language. So if I'm sort of fixing what she says, um, that's why. Um, and it's been working through that. I And I've been working through that. I've had um, a couple of partners who I disclosed this information to and overall they took it well. Just recently I met a guy by the way, let me repeat that. Um, I've had a couple of partners who I disclosed this info to and overall they took it well, right? This is what I have found as well. Okay, just recently I met a guy with whom I started chatting long distance three weeks prior to meeting him. I met him, saw him a couple times, told he told me he wanted to pursue me. One thing led to another. We kind of had sex, <laughs> kind of. Um, he struggled too, however, I don't know why. She doesn't get into that. She says, uh, I freaked out and was not able to tell him about my diagnosis. He wanted to come back to visit me, so I told him after the fact, and he accused me of being selfish and not handling things as I should have. We couldn't agree that we both were at the same risk since he said I took away his right to dot 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 decide. Um, does this sound as stigma to you? Anyway, I don't know if you'll ever read this, but your strength has helped me a lot through the years. Thank you. I wish I was as brave as you and become an advocate too. Perhaps my time has not come yet, but thank you. So this is how I feel about that. She is zero risk to him. Zero. So as far as I'm concerned, this information doesn't affect their sex life. All it does is give him an opportunity to put her in a new box and decide if she's worth it or not. Her diagnosis that has absolutely nothing to do with him, that doesn't affect him in any other way. And if he's that kind of guy, then that's what it does. It, it puts him at what he thinks is a level above her. And I think that is bullshit. Sorry, my dog, dog's barking in the background. Um, which is why I feel that this diagnosis doesn't and shouldn't have to be discussed with anybody since it doesn't affect um, the other person in any way. So I just said to her, he's at zero risk with you. Does he even know what his status is of all his STIs? I bet he hasn't tested. More than likely, guys don't. I mean, they do. Some do. I, well, I can't say that they don't all, but it's like really unlikely that this guy has recently tested. Um, and I said, people say they do, but they don't. You didn't do anything wrong. It's honestly none of his business which is exactly how I feel. None of his business doesn't affect him, will not affect him. Um, he can only use it as a um, bargaining chip in his decision on whether he wants to be with her or not. And this shouldn't define in any way whether she's more appealing to him or not. This shouldn't even be a factor in his decision making because it, again, it doesn't affect him in any way. And I just said, um, there is no risk. So what does he have to decide? Like, what is it he needs to decide? You have to take this out of the equation because it has nothing to do with him. Um, and so I don't know, I hope that helps her. I know for the person on the other end that can't comprehend that there might be a risk that's why they think it's not fair because they think that there's still somehow is a risk. So 
having to explain this to them and them not getting it, maybe it's not the right person after all. So maybe in some ways it's good that they know because they couldn't wrap their brain around the fact that they're never going to get it anyways. But this is also why I feel like nobody should have to tell anybody if they don't want to, because why, why should we be put in that position where we're looked at, looked at as less than, and then someone gets to sit back and cross their arms and go, let me decide. Hmm. You have HIV. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I want to be with you anymore now. Like you're, you're like yucky or what did you do to get it? I don't, mm, I don't know if I want to be with that kind of person now. So, and that just drives me crazy because everybody's at the same level. You're not less than because you have HIV. In fact, as one of my friends have, have said, who's HIV positive or has said, is that, you know, we're sort of like badasses for what we've gone through. This was life changing. Can you imagine getting this diagnosis yourself and understanding how hard it is to comprehend it and then move forward and then try to have a sexual life and try to meet people and have partners and deal with that stigma and how hard it would be to actually have to tell somebody that you have HIV. So that's the other thing is people need to understand um, they may feel frustrated that somebody didn't tell them about their diagnosis, but it's not always the easiest time to discuss it. Like, obviously, if things are hot and heavy, oh, by the way, let me just tell you that I have HIV. You don't think that that's going to just stop everything in the moment and somebody's going to react probably not in the best way. And um, so, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, you have to check where you live and know what the laws are, but um, in California, you do not have to say anything when you're undetectable. It's um, unless you have intent to transmit, then no, you don't have to say anything. And um, I'm sticking to that. And I'm, I don't hear a lot of advocates um, pushing this narrative and I wish more would. I wish more would say, yeah, it's okay. You don't have to tell anybody instead of saying, well, I want the person that I um, meet or, well, if it's somebody you're just hooking up with, what do you care what they think? But, um, if it's somebody that you want to have a long-term relationship with, yeah, I guess, you know, you want them to know all of you, which is a good reason for them to know, or that you want them to, um, you want there to be this trust in the relationship. So it all depends, I guess, on what the long-term goal is for this other person and yourself. Again, if it's just a hookup, fuck it. It's none of their business. <laughs> and you need to have, if you're a woman, you need to have them wear a condom anyways because you don't want to get anything from them. That's it, bottom line. You are not dirty because you have HIV, but protect your damn self because you don't want to deal with the things that those dirty things, those wieners are going to give to you. I'm kidding, they're not dirty. You know what I mean. But yeah, we do get a lot of um, UTIs from this stuff that comes out of them they do create issues for women. So there is that. Okay, moving on. Here's another one. Um, hi, hope all is well. So I've watched a few of your videos and I've been experiencing symptoms such as a lot of night sweats, swollen lymph nodes, genital rash, bumps on my face and neck, which disappeared, loose stool and a mouth ulcer, which appears to be white. I've been reckless in the past, having a couple weeks ago slept with sex workers unprotected, and I think I might have something. Is there any advice you can give me? I think your videos are great, by the way, and I'm 100% heterosexual. Other things I've noticed are blood red eyes and low-grade fever, but a few other symptoms have come and gone. I've booked an STI test that I'll take in a few weeks from now, and I'm a bit anxious about the results. So, um, you know... 
if you know anything about me, you already know what I'm going to say. This is not HIV. If he's only been with women, this is not HIV. And a lot of these things, I think people don't even know whether they have swollen lymph nodes or not. I think they just feel in their neck or something. And they're like, they feel like something like, oh, that's a swollen lymph node, which which actually is just the way things feel in your neck. Um, and like people will say that they have thrush in their mouth, which is really just that they have leukopenia. It's just, it's like a different, it's, it has nothing to do with um, HIV and AIDS. And um, it, I can't remember exactly what it is, but it causes like whiteness on your tongue, but it has nothing to do with um, HIV, AIDS or thrush or anything. Um, night sweats, doubted. He's probably just got too many covers on, honestly. Um Mouth ulcer, I mean, that's not a symptom of HIV. Um, and let's see, what were the other things? Blood, red eyes, I mean, really? That's not, that has nothing to do with HIV. Low-grade fever, highly doubted. This sounds like it's somebody who's just kind of having, um, who's being a little bit of a hypochondriac. So um, anyways, uh, I would say yes to test so that you can see that it's negative and um, use condoms in the future so that you don't freak out and think that every little thing is HIV. I, um, I've i seen this enough in the past six years, almost seven years, to know that um, this will be negative. I'm 100% guaranteed this person will not have HIV. Um, in fact, I will write to him and I will get back to you guys and confirm um, with you. Um, we're going to call him... Um, um, let me see. What should we call him? <laughs> Try not to give any names away here. Uh, we'll just call him Orlando. Let's call him Orlando. I'll make a little note here. So I'm going to write to him and say, please let me know your results. But um, I, I'm very confident that this is going to be negative. And, um, it, and I've never been wrong. Not once in my, um, in my six plus years of talking to people who are freaking out thinking that they have HIV. So yes, I will write back to Orlando. Oh my gosh, Finn. I had my cat Toby was outside about to fight with another cat that comes down the street and gets near our house. And Toby's an alpha male and he gets really mad and the screaming outside is insane. So I had to go and um, clear it up. So let me look for another message. Hold on one sec. Okay, this is a message that I received from somebody that was newly diagnosed, a young man, handsome looking guy. He looks like he's from, I'm going to say like, mm, I'm not sure. The name is definitely not um, from the United States. It looks like he could be Czechoslovakian, maybe. I'm not totally sure, but he says, hello, Jennifer. I just get info that I'm HIV positive and I'm mentally destroyed. He puts a crying emoji. Could you tell me some positive words? And so what I wrote back to him is you're going to be good. Blood checked way more often now keeps you in the best health, which is super true. Uh, more than those without HIV and you will live a long, normal life. You can't transmit HIV sexually once you are undetectable. And the medication today is easy to take. Hugs to you and I will send him the www preventionaccess.org forward slash FAQ. Um, that's the basically the U equals U website. And I always send them directly to the FAQ page because the first question on there is, <clears throat> 
can a person with HIV, can a person living with HIV on treatment with an undetectable viral load transmit HIV through sex? And when you click on the drop down, it says no, a person living with HIV on antiretroviral therapy, ART, who has an undetectable viral load under 200 copies cannot transmit HIV through sex. For information about HIV transmission through perinatal transmission from mother to child during pregnancy, labor and delivery, or breastfeeding, or injection drug use, please see questions 15 and 19 below. So all of your answers are there. It's a great resource. So I sent that to him. And hopefully he will feel some comfort from that message back. Um, unfortunately, it's like I want to always write back to people, but sometimes I think this means that now we are friends and that we can constantly have back and forth communication. And I just can't. I like I cannot handle, well, obviously, like mentally, physically, psychologically cannot handle writing back and forth to every single person that writes to me. So, um, and then I feel bad because I have this thing where if I see that they wrote to me and then if I read it, it will say that I read it. And then if I don't respond, then I feel bad thinking that they saw that I read it and I didn't respond. And so then I have to put them on restrict so that they can't see that I read it because all of these things go through my head. It really, like, I can't tell you how much my brain goes through so many, like, I don't know, obstacles through the day, just reading messages and trying to sift through them, but wanting to help people. I really love to send everybody one message, like right back to everybody that contacts me. But what it does is it elicits a response from them. And then they're like, oh, she wrote. And then, oh my gosh, when I write to people and then I see like, maybe this person hasn't written to me for, maybe they wrote like over a week ago and I'll respond. And then, oh my God, I'll see the dots come up like right away. And I like immediately go, oh my God, restrict. Like I can't take it when I see that they're writing back to me immediately. It makes me crazy. Okay. Oh my gosh. Finn is barking at the cats down there. I've got to go see what's going on. I'll be right back. Okay. I'm back. Um, so I'm not going to read any more messages. I actually had a story that I wanted to share. Um, I haven't, like I said, I, I was going off Tinder and I have stuck to it. I got off Facebook dating. Those things were really a good, um, change for me. I definitely was going mentally crazy dealing with that, um, those apps and what, you know, we talk about the apps and how they affect you mentally and the dopamine hits and all of that. Well, that's just like, that's like so many exponentials on top of it, um, with regards to like just Instagram, but then adding Tinder on top of it is like, it's an extreme Instagram in a way. Cause you're checking and it's just, it's cuckoo. It just, you get cuckoo on there and then things get in your head. You get in their, your head because you don't hear back from somebody or it's just so many different things that can get into your head with um, Tinder and you have no idea what's going on on the other end with somebody like you could have a conversation going back and forth and they seem to have a regular habit of kind of having this timing of writing back to you and then all of a sudden it stops and you're just like, oh, I guess, like, was it me or maybe they met someone or was it something I said? So then you're constantly going through your head wondering all of these dumb things um, it's taking up your time and it's, um, affecting your mental health. So I'm really glad that I am, I don't even have a desire, uh, honestly, because I think what really affected me the most was, um, seeing the TikTok that talked about the bots and like knowing that I may have been talking to bots at times and like 
getting like messed up in the head over a bot and like, oh my gosh, like this is, this is crazy. So I don't mind uh, or miss being off it at all. But, um, so there isn't much to talk about with regards to dating. Um, I still, um, I saw one of my friends that I've seen since May. Um, we just hook up when we want to and it's fun and it's fast and, um, he tried to get a hold of me. Well, he got a hold of me Friday night, but I, um, I was too tired. Um, like I have to be kind of like, I don't know, the timing has to be good and it can't be at night because my son is aware of when I leave and I just don't really want him to be in my business about any of that. So typically those meetups are much better if it's daytime and he has no idea um, that I've left. So, um, but I had, um, met up with an old friend. He's a couple years older than me. I've known him for a long time and he's always been like kind of, okay. So he was somebody that I have been with sexually. I will say that, um, over the years here and there, I used to be obsessed with him. Honestly, uh, he was like a, a Brad Pitt to me and I would have just died to have him in my life, but, um, it didn't turn out that way. And we've never been boyfriend and girlfriend ever. And then, and we have hooked up at times through the years, um, but it's just never turned out to be the best timing. And so, um, I don't know what happened, but he just kind of became more of just a girlfriend to me. And I don't see him that way anymore. And it all stemmed from a trip that we took um, to New York in to the end of 2014. And it was right before I met the man that I was with when I was diagnosed with HIV. It was like literally a month or yeah, like just a couple weeks before, like three weeks before. But he begged me, said, please, 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 let's go to New York City together just meet me there. I'm going to be there in business, but I'll stay like three more days. We'll go to Broadway shows. I'll pay for everything. Just fly out there. I'll have a hotel or no, we stayed in an Airbnb. Um, you know, it'll be so much fun. And I was like, I was really hesitant because I didn't want to leave my kids and my animals. And he's like, just get on a plane and do it. Why? Why won't you do it? Like he was so persistent. And I was like, okay, why not? So little did I know I had HIV at the time, completely uncontrolled. And, um, I flew out to New York and during that flight, I had an ear, my, um, my, it was, no, it was the flight back. My ear, my eardrum ruptured when we were taking off. I'll never forget that. And then thankfully it sort of resolved itself. I like shoved my finger in my ear. I remember like going, Oh my God, my ear. And that was the first time that it happened to me. And then it happened again. Um, later. And I've talked about that in a bunch of my um, videos and stuff about having that horrific, uh, my eardrum exploding basically, or breaking open during a flight. It's happened three times, but, and all of those times were when I had HIV, but didn't know it. So anyways, um, that's, I don't know why I thought of saying that, but so I've, I, he convinced me, he's like, just get there and it'll be great. I'll pay for everything. We'll see Broadway shows. We're going to go out and eat. We're going to drink, da, da, da. So I like, I just threw caution to the wind and said, I mean, I've known him for a long time. I'm like, all right, fine. But I didn't know. I really, really, I mean, I talked about it with my mom so much. Like, I don't know that I feel that way about him anymore. Like, I don't know that I do. And I, I, I think, but maybe this will be so romantic and, and it'll really make me decide if this is how, if I have these feelings for him still. So I get out to New York and he said, get an Uber to my hotel. Cause he was, he was there, um, for work 
And he said, and, um, you know, when you get there, I'm going to leave you money for the Uber and, um, I'll be there at the hotel when you get there. Remember there's a three hour difference. And I had been coming, I was coming from California. He'd already been out there for like three or four days. So he was adjusted to the time at that point. Anyways, I got out there. Um, and cause that comes into play later. And, um, so I, I remember him opening up the hotel door and I thought it was going to be this, like, here we are, we're in New York city. We are alone. There's nothing stopping us from being together. And I just got this, like, I don't know feeling. And so I remember giving him a big hug, like, oh my God, I'm here. Like we're here. And I'm like bringing my luggage in. We've never been boyfriend and girlfriend. I've never had my luggage with his luggage, things like this. It's just like, feels weird. Everything that we've done in the past has just been hookups. Um, but you know, we, and we used to work together. So I don't know. I don't really, I know we had to have fooled around that first night, but it's like a blur to me. I don't remember at all. I re- all I remember from the hotel room was watching TV with him in the same bed. And he was, um, I, I was propped up against the pillow and he was laying under my arm and I had my arm around him. And I remember feeling really, really uncomfortable about laying, cuddling with him. It didn't feel right. I just, I didn't feel attracted to him that way anymore. And I, I mean, our stuff was always very spicy and it wasn't ever, uh, romantic. It was really just more very sexual when we were together. So this was a whole different element, this warm, fuzzy, I don't even, I didn't even know what to do with it. I just remember feeling super awkward. I know we must've had sex that night, but I honestly don't remember it at all. So we spend, I think, well, we went, to, we ended up going to an Airbnb for two nights after that. And I remember we went out to dinner. The, maybe the, the dinner was that night. It was, we had the hotel, we went out to dinner and we went to this Italian restaurant, which was really close to Times Square. And we got out after dinner and he stopped me cause it was raining. Um, this is Christmas time. We were going to go look at the lights and everything. And uh, so maybe we didn't have sex that night. Yeah, I don't remember. Anyway, um, we get outside and we're walking towards Times Square and he goes, stop right here. And it was like, he just stopped me and he put an umbrella over us and he wanted to make out kind of in the middle of Times Square. And I remember doing it and feeling like I couldn't wait for it to be over. Like I just wasn't feeling it. And the only reason I can speak so openly about this is because he does not, he doesn't follow any of my social media. So he wouldn't, he wouldn't know this, but he, he recently referred to that time and said, remember that magical moment that we had? And I was like, Oh my God. But my perspective wasn't feeling that at all. I didn't feel it was magical. I was feeling like I was kissing my brother. It just felt I don't know. I just wanted it to be over. I wasn't feeling, it didn't feel magical to me. Being in New York during Christmas time felt magical and it was nice to be with a friend, but I wasn't feeling those feelings. And so, um, we spent, um, three, it was four nights altogether. And I think we had sex the first two nights, which was just, yeah. Um, it was just, I mean, I feel like I did it to please him, but I wasn't really wanting to do it. 
And, um, and I wasn't looking forward to, we were at an Airbnb. I remember having to go to the bathroom in the morning and being like, oh my God, this place is so quiet. And I'm like, I'm, he's going to hear me going to the bathroom. Like I was so uncomfortable about all that stuff. And I was afraid to like have, like, I remember we ate a lot at different places and I was like holding it in all night, needing to fart and stuff like that. And it was like, my stomach's making noise all through the night. I'm like, oh my God, he can hear that. And all I had to do was, you know, obviously go to the bathroom in the morning and I just wanted to get all of that out of me and I think he went somewhere in the morning to get coffee and I thought thank god and I ran in the bathroom and just like shit my heart out and um and then we would go and I don't know it was like there was a lot of drinking and I remember my eyelids feeling super heavy most of the time we were there so I attribute that to um having HIV that was uncontrolled at the time and jet lag those two things together because looking back I was struggling every evening. I was like, I was killing me like out the alcohol and the jet lag and then probably having HIV uncontrolled at that time. And no, he did not get it from me. Um, we're all contributing to that. And that's I, so I remember being super sleepy the whole time, even during the day I was trying to catch up because I wasn't sleeping during the night. Cause I was like trying to hold in farts. I mean, it was the worst. So, um, anyways, uh, and we went to a really great um, Broadway play we saw it was called Rock of Ages and um, Ariana Grande's brother was in it Frankie Grande who I'd watched on Big Brother and Constantine Maroulis who was on uh, uh, what do you call it I was gonna say Fear Factor American Idol he was on American Idol and he'd done really well and he was he was on it he, like he was there he was like in person like and you're it's not a big theater I'm like oh my god it's fucking Constantine right there I, I had loved him so we got tickets for that we didn't even get to sit by each other because we got last minute tickets and we sat like across the room from each other and I didn't even care I was like that's fine I like honestly was kind of happy to be alone um because it took the pressure off of having to talk during the play or hold hands or anything like that so and then we did go to the 9-11 museum this I'm not even I haven't even gotten to the story yet but we went to the 9-11 museum and I remember I was like sobbing through that if you haven't seen the 9-11 museum it had just opened up and I was I was a wreck walking through that and I was listening to grown men sobbing as they were walking through different areas too it was rough it is really rough there's a whole area where you hear the crick the chirping of the police um, or the fire departments they have those things on their uniforms that that make that little chirping sound so it helps them be found if they get stuck somewhere and those were chirping all over the place so they were that sound is playing throughout part of the museum and then you hear the phone calls being left on the voicemails of the people that are in the buildings and those people never made it home like I love you I don't think I'm coming home the oh, so freaking heart-wrenching so anyways that was that trip and I do remember as we got on the flight to go home I remember him putting and we didn't have sex the last two nights and I thought okay I think he knows and we never talked about it either like why we didn't or anything I just assumed he got it because uh, it wasn't I like we weren't walking down the street together holding hands or anything we could have I mean that was like this was the perfect opportunity but we didn't um, and I think he got, you know, I just, I just wanted it to be friends. And so it's been that way ever since. But on the flight home, for a second, he put his hand on my thigh as we were going to take off. And I remember being like in my, you know, like my eyes are bugging out in my head, like, oh, <laughs> I don't like this. Like, please don't. 
don't touch me, which is so crazy because I was obsessed with him 20 something years ago. So, um, it's, yeah, it's kind of funny how it all turned out. But so anyways, we've continued and then that we got back and we just kind of drifted apart. And then I met the person that I was with, um, right, like New Year's Eve happened and New Year's Day, Eric, my ex wrote to me through Tinder and we met a few days later or whatever. And that was the beginning of that. So, um, and then I didn't see this other person anymore. So other than friends and checking in with him as friends and him, you know, telling him about this relationship. And then he's had other relationships since. So anyways, he's always come to me when he has girl trouble and he's always going from relationship to relationship. He's never had kids, never been married. Um, he's very metrosexual. He's a very nice place. It's always super duper clean and he keeps himself very well-groomed and his clothing is very metrosexual. Like many people have said they thought he was gay. Um, and, but I, he looks like, um, the lead singer of train. So if you know who that is, he looks like him, Pat Monahan. Um, but anyways, uh, so these are just a few little things about him. Um, and he's in good shape. He's always kept himself like, you know, trim and, um, like, I think he's a vegan now and, and all that. But anyways, he's had a lot of relationships that kind of come and go and all of that. And so I've always been there to talk to him about all of his drama. And so he's been with this woman for that he met on Tinder, he was going to give up on Tinder, and he decided to go on this one last date. He said, you know, he was getting nowhere on Tinder. And so they met up and and um, so they've been together for over two years, but there's been a lot of drama. She has apparently like lots of anger issues and she will just slam things around and then, you know, do the taking off thing and then not respond to any messages kind of thing. And they recently had a trip to Europe where he kind of had to walk on eggshells for two weeks because he was afraid that she would have one of those outbursts again all of the reasons why I love not being in a relationship because I don't want to deal with any of this bullshit. So anyways, he got back from Europe and he was like, can you meet up? I need to, I need to talk. And I'm like, yeah, for sure. So we met up on a Friday evening at a really nice place, like in front of a fireplace. It was really, um, like beautiful scenery and we both got a glass of wine. And I, to me, it's just where I'm meeting up with my friend to talk to him about his girl drama. And so um, we, you know, we go through all of like everything that's going on. We, you know, talk about all of the things that have happened between them and what's, you know, whatever I give my advice and all that. And then as we're leaving, he gives me this kind of a lingering hug and he goes, what are you doing later? And I said, well, I'm like going home, like with my, I'm picking my son up from practice and I'm going to go home or whatever. He goes, well, you know, if you want to come back over later, we could watch a movie you know, have a drink or whatever. And I'm like, um, no. And by the way, that would be going like a different complete direction from where I live. Like I'd be going back to my house and then back another 20 minutes to his place. So I was like, it was a Friday night. I was tired from work and I just wanted to go home and get in my pajamas and go to bed. So I was like, no. And, but thanks, you know, and I'm in my head going, that's like a little, I don't know, like, it sounded a little weird, like 10 o'clock at night, I'm going to come over and watch a movie at your place. Like, that sounds like you want something else. And by the way, the girlfriend is not there. She lives with him. But she basically 
ran away to their Airbnb. She owns an Airbnb. It's not his, but she ran away to that. And she was going to be there for a month anyways, but he was supposed to go up that weekend and meet her. And he basically said, I'm not going because she threw a fit and he was just like, I'm not going to go. So hold on. And so, um, okay. Um, so anyways, um, he says to me, writes to me, it was either that night or the next morning. And he says, Hey, how about you come over? What are you doing tomorrow? He goes, can you come over for dinner? I'll make us a really nice dinner. We'll, um, you know, we can chat, you know, da, 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 whatever. And I was like, I remember getting that message and thinking, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't want to put myself in a position where I'm at his place and feeling like he will, you know, think that something more is going to happen. And so I sort of waited on it. And I said, um, I, I mentioned something about going, like, I wasn't like, oh yeah, I made it clear to him that, okay, I'm sort of hesitant to say yes, because I want you to know that like, um, I, you have a girlfriend for one thing and I don't want to get in the middle of anything. I, I don't feel that way towards him anymore anyways, as it is. And I've never really vocalized that to him. Um, so I, those two things together. Um, but I didn't say that. I just said, basically, I don't, you know, I don't, is it like, it doesn't feel I don't remember exactly how I said it. And I, I, don't, I have the message, but I like literally don't even want to read it again because it just all of it bothers me. But I basically made it known to him that I didn't feel comfortable going to his place unless it was 100% certain it was friends only. And that's it. Like there's no, I don't want to do anything that would be disrespectful to your girlfriend as far as being there and her where she lives when she's not there and all of that. So, <laughs> so uh, he said, of course not. He goes, I would not want there to be the, oh shit, what did we do the next morning kind of feeling. And so um, he said, if it would make you feel better, we could go out to eat somewhere or we could just meet for a drink, whatever you feel comfortable with. And so I was like, okay, awesome. He totally understands. So I said, it's fine. I And with that, I mean, I really felt fine with it. I was like, okay, I'll come over. It's fine. Like, cause he knows I've told him clearly nothing can transpire between us, nothing at all. And so, um, sorry, I'm getting messages from, um, my, uh, my kid's dad about tomorrow because it's going to rain. So anyways, um, I, I, so going into it, I knew everything would be fine. I asked him, do you want me to bring anything? He said, no, just, you know, come over at this time and bring yourself. And I've been to his place many times. He's had Christmas parties with lots of couples and, um, he's had me over for dinner before. Um, and he's had me over to his hot tub before where I have been, uh, like recently single and I kind of like scooted out of there. Um, because I didn't want anything to happen. I mean, he invited me in the hot tub. He was giving me drinks and I, I politely said I had to go at one point cause I could just feel like he was wanting something more to happen, even though he didn't say it, but it was like, it was just obvious. So, um, and at that point he was with a woman that he was dating who was in Hong Kong and they were on the outs. Um, and they're not together anymore or anything, but I, still, again, he kind of had a, a woman in his life, things weren't working out. And I, I, he was having me over to talk about it. And it was looking like he was trying to have something more happen. So anyways, um, I get there and everything's fine. And he has this nice, really, 
really, really nice little kitchen, but super nice. Like it's like a Cuisinart kitchen, like everything. I don't know why I said Cuisinart, but it's just, everything's clean. Everything's just, uh, tidy and beautiful. And he's redone all the cabinets and the, the backsplash on the wall is, I don't remember. I think it's some kind of like glass. It's very nice. And, um, you know, there's stainless steel everywhere. And he makes me an espresso first, which I was like a beautiful, like in a little clear glass, um, cup on a clear glass plate and the table set it's like a higher table with um, bar stool chairs and that's all that's there in that little nook and so you're basically sitting in there while he's cooking and so he makes me the espresso and then he had made cosmos because he knows I like cosmos so he had made them um, um, like really by scratch I think there was even fresh lemon in them I'm not sure but that's so him he does everything like if there was pesto to be eaten, he would have ground up, you know, the pine nuts and like he's, that's so him. So anyways, he had made like a big thing of Cosmos. Um, and so he pours me a Cosmo and I'm like, okay, that's nice. And then, um, he's got top, not top and odd, um, I want to say bruschetta, but I know that's not the right way to say it. You know, it's not pronounced that way bruschetta. I don't know. I'm saying it wrong. I know bruschetta is the wrong way to say it. And I've heard it on TikTok the right way. So I apologize, but I know there's another way to say it anyways. So we made that, of course, it's all fresh and it's delicious. And then he's putting together the dinner. And by the way, then he pours a glass of wine and I've already had a Cosmo. Um, and I'm, you know, lots of, you know, we have no trouble talking. So lots of talk about her and just stuff and whatever. And, um, so, and yes, he knows I have HIV and no, he does not care, obviously. Um, but anyways, um, so now the wine, I said, I can't have the wine cause he keeps refilling my Cosmo. Like it's not ever getting low. And I'm like, dude, like I can't, I don't I, wine too. No, it's too much. And he goes, Oh, okay. Okay. So he has the wine only. And, um, and you know, I didn't feel drunk. It's weird. Um, I don't feel like I get drunk really, I mean, if anything, I just get those, if I'm wanting those feelings to happen, when I get those first drinks or first sips of alcohol, you get that good, warm feeling. Typically if you're out to dinner with somebody and it just feels nice and it's like, but like I could drink alone and I don't even know that I'd feel anything, but I kind of wasn't feeling any of it. But I, anyways, he kept refilling my drink. And, um, so then we do eat dinner and I mean, this whole process took a while. Like I would say that was literally an, and he did say like, we're going to do cocktails and hors d'oeuvres at this time. We'll eat dinner at this time. Like he kind of set like the times, like that's how metrosexual he is. And, um, so the dinner was delicious, um, per use. It's something he's made before that I've had. In fact, it's something that I've made before because of him. It's like a pasta with white wine and oysters in it and, um, um, tomatoes and I don't know, like onions and stuff. Anyways, it's really good. So we finish up with that. And then he says, well, let's go sit in the other room. So we go in the other room where his TV is and he's got a, uh, no, the fire wasn't going. Um, but the decorations are very nice. This is just before Halloween. So he's got like little decorations around that looks like it's like you're at crate and barrel. Like everything looks adultish, but very tastefully done. And, um, yeah, like it's like has a woman's touch. And I noticed in the corner of the living room, there is 
a camera and I said, oh, by the way, and I had done something with my hair where I pulled my hair out and dropped a piece on the floor. I said, you're going to want a vacuum because I just dropped my hair on the floor because I don't want his girlfriend seeing my hair on the floor. I'm not there for anything more than just being a friend, but still he's got a woman and I, th I don't know if they're going to stay together or not. I mean, he was sounding like he wanted to end everything with her, but I don't want to be, first of all, that girl that he's ending everything for or that he's just wanting to fool around with because he's mad at her also that's not fair to her or me at all so that was another kind of like yeah I don't need to get messed up with any of that but I wouldn't have wanted that anyways so anyways I mentioned something about the camera and he said oh yeah I uh I turned that off and I was like does she have access to that and he goes yeah I'm like oh my god I would be fucking livid if I was her. Um, I mean, she doesn't know that I'm there at all, but like, are you kidding me? Like if I was like five hours away at our Airbnb and the camera was off the inside camera, oh my God, I'd be so mad. So I'm like, oh, great. So we go and sit down and I'm looking for the remote. He doesn't know what to watch. And I'm feeling awkward because we're sitting on a couch together and I I feel like if there's not a conversation going and there's any dead silence, he's going to make a move on me. And so I'm looking for things on YouTube that have to do with TikTok because I know he doesn't watch TikTok at all. And so I'm like trying to find like things that I have thought were funny in the past or whatever. And every time something ends, I'm thinking before it ends, oh my God, I've got to find something else. I've got to find, because like he's not trying to find things on, on his TV. I am. So then he says, come downstairs. I want to show you something. So I'm like, oh, okay, okay. So we go downstairs and he has a media room and he's got basically it's the internet is project or it's maybe it's just a DVD player, but whatever it is, it's projected onto an entire wall. And we both are into, um, like hair metal bands from the eighties. And I had just gone to Def Leppard, Motley Crue and Poison. And so he has a DVD. It was that one that Motley Crue had put out. They had actually gone into retirement. And so they had had this last tour back in whenever. And they were, I don't know, 2015 or 16 or something where they were going to like end everything and they weren't going to ever tour again. And then um, I don't remember how it all happened, but I know Def Leppard had asked them to go on tour. And then that kind of reignited everything and they decided to um to yeah tour again now Mick Mars by the way has officially retired from Motley Crue so he's not gonna tour with them anymore he's an old guy he's I don't even know how he got through this last tour he needs to just go home and rest until he passes away so but he yeah he did his service my gosh so anyways we're watching this and um, he keeps asking me if I'm cold. And by the way, when we're downstairs, there's a big table between our two chairs. We're in like these, um, well, whatever we're in like media chairs, but we're there. We're not sitting right next to each other because of this table in between us. And I'm just really into the Motley Crue thing and kind of happy that we have this distance between us. Cause I keep feeling this weird feeling. So he keeps mentioning something about, is it, cold? Are you cold? And I'm like, honestly was not at all. And he said, I feel cold. He goes, we should go back upstairs. So I'm like, okay. And this, we'd probably been down there for about 45 minutes watching this Motley Crue DVD. And, um, in my mind the entire time I'm thinking, how do I dodge anything that's going to come to me? Because I really do feel like this whole thing has been set up for a mood. There was definitely mood lighting and candles lit, um, in the house or the, it's like a townhouse. When I got there, it felt very romantic. And so, um, 
I, you know, the whole setup, the, everything was beautifully done. And I know that is partially who he is, but come on, like this felt more than just friends. So I go upstairs with him and he sits down on the couch and walks our drinks over to the couch. By the way, he's continually filling up my drink. And I'm like, I can't, like, I can't have any more because I know I have to drive home. Hi, Olive. Olive's on the floor here trying to get my attention. And so, um, he's basically on the couch, couch and like pats it, like, come sit down. And he turned on the fireplace. He did not turn on the TV. There was mood lighting, candles were lit, and he's got our drinks on the table. And I said, I literally froze. And I said, I can't. I said, this just feels super romantic. And I just feel super awkward. He goes, no, 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 no. He goes, not at all. And I'm thinking, yes, yes, this is really, really weird. Like it's everything I didn't want it to be. I mean, it's super nice and generous and hospitable, but it all felt like it was to make a move at some point. And so I wouldn't sit down and I said, I should go. I should really should go. I feel, he goes, no, 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 sit down. Let's talk about this. And I'm like, no, there's like really nothing to talk about. I said, I really just feel so awkward right now. I said, I really do think I should go. And, um, so I had brought cookies that I made these pumpkin, um, oatmeal chocolate chip cookies. And he goes, Oh, I didn't even get a chance to have one of your cookies. So like, Oh no, don't leave yet. Let me have one of your cookies. So he's really trying to like delay me leaving. And so he's like eating my cookie here. You want one? I'm like, no, like, I just want to go. I would just want to go. And I'm like, I, I, it's everything in me is feeling super, super uncomfortable. And so, um, I, I'm like, great. He's eating the cookies. Like he's telling me how great they are. I'm like, it's great, but I really want to go. So his, to leave, you have to go downstairs. So I start walking down and you don't wear shoes in his place. So I still need to put my shoes on. And I'm wearing these like leather boots that you have to like zip up. They're like, you know, the shorter ones. They're not like all the way up to your knee or anything. They're like, I don't know, just above the, the ankle, like maybe three inches or whatever. And he goes, Oh, those, I like your boots. And like, by the way, they are super worn out. I mean, they look like shit, honestly. And he, his stuff looks so nice always. And I'm thinking, really? Cause I think they look like shit, but he's like, Oh, I really like your boots. And I'm like, Oh, thanks. And I'm like, okay. I, I think he's just grabbing at anything, trying to like think of something to make the situation not weird, but it fully was at that point because I literally just all of a sudden cut the night short. Like, but it was already getting late. And I told him, look, oh, and by the way, Owen had been texting me. He knew I was at his place. He knows he's an old friend, but he doesn't like me being away and it makes him nervous. And he just said, you know, when are you coming home? You said you'd be home at this time. So I'm, and at one point he called me and, and this, I'm not going to say his name, but he said, answer it. And so Owen's going, Owen's basically moping on the other line and I can't say anything to him. Like I, what I want to say to Owen is you don't have to worry. Nothing's going to happen, but this person's sitting right next to me. So I can't say those words to Owen, but I want to. So I was like, all I could say was, is I won't be late. Like, don't worry. I won't be late. And so I basically told him, look, I'm trying to deal with not uh, like trying to make give you enough time with me here while not being gone so long that it's upsetting Owen. Like that's where I'm at right now. And so I said, I kind of need to go. And he goes, okay, well that makes sense. So then we, I give him a hug and the hug felt like it. He, I was pulling away, but I felt like his hand kind of like linger on my back and come down, um, on my hip. 
and I pulled, you know, I walked, I walked away and I'm walking backwards away from his place. And he says, what are you doing tomorrow? I'm like, oh my fucking God. I'm like, okay, this is absolutely why a hundred percent why I love being on my own because I don't want to have to tell anyone what I'm doing at any point during the day. Like I had to make up an excuse. I just said, which was true. I was basically just going to be home doing things around the house and but it made it look like I was free and available. And he, so he's like, well, are you? And I said, no, no. And I just said, I looked at him and I just said, good night. And I walked away and I got in my car and I drove home and I got home and I was telling Joey about all of it. And he called and I didn't answer it. I was like, oh my God, he's calling. Oh my God. Um, And then he sent a text and said, look, I'm just making sure that you made it home okay. And I just wanted to check on you and make sure that you made it home okay. And I just wrote back, I said, yes, thank you so much. It was really nice of you. I appreciate all that you did. I'm just home chatting with Joey right now. And then he never responded. And I would say that was three weeks ago. And we haven't said a word to each other since. And I'm really like, I've talked to my mom about it because I feel like I'm pissed at him for not, um, agreeing to our agreement. And I really feel like he pushed the boundaries with our friendship. And I really loved him being like a girlfriend to me and being able to talk to him about guys. And, but it's funny because every time I talk to him about anything that I've done with anybody on Tinder, he would change the subject. He, he did not want to hear about things that I'd been doing with other guys. So that was, that should have been enough of a clue, I guess. Well, all of it was pretty obvious, but anyways, it sucks because I feel like I lost a guy who's been like a girlfriend to me. And, um, I guess if anything, I've been more of a girlfriend to him, but like, um, you know, like a girlfriend would be to me, but he's also seen me as something as a backup. And I just don't see him that way anywhere. At some point, I don't know. It just that, that it's, I mean, we're talking over 20 years that I've known him. So it's like at some point the, uh, the, um, flame just fizzles out and it, for me, it has. I just, I don't, you know, he's like family. He's like a brother, really, truly. And I, I'm surprised that he sees me as more honestly after all of these years. But yeah, we've never been in love. We've never been a couple. It's just been this interesting dynamic for years and years. And our timing has always been bad. Always, always, you know. So anyways, that is my, um, that's, and I think that was playing into also my just wanting to run away from everything on social media. Um, even though he has nothing to do with that, but I was, the hormones were kicking in. This had happened. So many things were kind of all happening all at once. And so I was just like, oh my God, I just want to fucking get away from everything and just lay in bed with my animals and, you know, watch Netflix or something. By the way, Love is Blind 3. Oh my God. Um, I don't know if you guys are watching that, but I am thoroughly enjoying it. The next um, set of episodes comes out November 9th and it is currently November 6th. And I can't wait to see what happens. I cannot believe um, I'm going to give it away right now. So if you don't want to know, don't listen to the rest of this. Um, that SK said no to Raven. So shocked. And then of course she has to say later in the interview that she was going to say no, even though she was totally crying. But I, I think she was going to say yes, which was, would be a poor 
choice. There is only one couple that I think should be together and it's Brennan and I don't remember her name, but those two, I love them. Like, I really think they're so sweet. And what I loved about him is that she's a thicker girl, beautiful girl, thicker for sure. And we don't know when you're, if you watch Love is Blind, these couples fall in love with a wall between them. They don't get to meet each other. So they, it's like a two week, basically, I think about two weeks that they have these quote unquote dates in these pods and they decide on, you know, who they're basically, who their favorite is. And a lot of people fall by the wayside and don't meet anybody, but they're, they ended up with five couples at the end and they have to propose to the man has to propose to the woman. And this is part of the experiment before they leave the pods, they have to propose to them. And so this um, man, Brennan proposed to her and then they open up the wall and they let them run to each other from one end of the room to the other. And of course they have not described their physical self at all. And they, it's their first time ever seeing each other. So they've said yes to getting married just by getting another person through this wall, which is awesome. And I mean, I guess it's kind of like, you know, having like, um, well, you're hearing the person's voice and all their little innuendos and all that. So I guess it's different than a pen pal, but yeah, I mean, you don't get to see them. So until you've actually already said yes to marrying them. So, um, they pull the doors up or whatever for them to run down this long hallway and say hello to each other. And he, and I'm thinking the whole time, wow, he's going to be surprised because he's a trim, fit, tall, like he's muscular, you know? And I'm thinking he's going to be disappointed that she's overweight. He, this hasn't come up once. He was completely head over heels for her, for her from the moment he saw her. And it is, it's so beautiful. Not once did he make any mention. He is so in love with her. I was just so happy to see this so blown away. It's made me love this couple so much. And, um, they are a really lovely couple. And I love that her weight didn't, it didn't play into the equation at all. It was so awesome that he didn't see that at all. He was in love with the person that he met through the wall. And when he met her in person, he was even more in love. He thought she was so beautiful. I was like, yes, I just, oh, I just have loved their story. So um, I don't know what's going to happen yet. I'm assuming they will say yes to each other at the altar. That's the thing. That's the big twist is they get to spend all this time together after they say yes through the wall, then they meet and then they go into like a hotel room or they kind of like have them at this like nice getaway for a little while. Then they go and live in an apartment together for a month. And then they have to decide during this month of being together if they want to get married, but they're not allowed to give their decision until they're at the altar. And so they've only showed one couple at the altar give their their final choice or their final um, answer. And this man, SK, who had been basically a simp to Raven, I really thought that she was going to say, actually, I thought they were both going to say yes, honestly. Um, and he said, I can't. It was so crazy. I mean, this was the man that seemed to, he was a yes man. His, her girlfriends were like, we're worried about him because he's such a yes man to her. He's from Nigeria. They have very different lives, but, um, very nice man. Um, I found him super like, um, uh, he's just a sweet, sweet guy, you know, for sure. Smart man. And I really thought he was 
a little dumb, honestly, that he wasn't seeing how crazy this whole thing was. And maybe they were jumping in too soon. And I thought he was just going to say yes, 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 because he was on this show and he didn't know better. And she was beautiful. And so he was just going to say yes to the whole experiment. And he said, no, I couldn't believe it. And his reasons were super valid about, you know, her not moving to California with him to support him while he goes and does his, um, I don't know if it's his doctorate or whatever, but he's going back to school. He's actually at Berkeley right now. So um, SK, um, I think I'm going to follow him. So I really thought I was blown away. And she's a beautiful girl. She'll be fine. Uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, she needs, she'd never ever even been in a situation where she was even close to getting married or anything. And then this happened and all of her friends were like, we don't even know who you are. Like, we can't even believe you have a boyfriend. Like, what the hell? She's a super independent girl. So I didn't even know I was going to talk about Love is Blind, but I'm I'm completely addicted to it. And I can't wait to see what happens with the other couples. It's a total train, train wreck. Like, honestly, none of them should be getting married. Um, again, the only one that I think is Brennan and his um, beautiful fiance, and I don't know her name, but anyways, um, that is it for this week. I hope you all are well and have a good rest of the week. I'm off on Friday. I cannot wait. And I may be getting to meet somebody from England that I have known through social media since 2017. Um, who's HIV positive. He's not open about his status. He's a total cutie and he just moved to California and he's about two hours away and we're supposed to meet up um, (laughs) this coming weekend. He's 31. I have no idea if he has the hots for me. I think he's gorgeous. So um, we we shall see. It could just be a platonic meetup, but um, who knows? Okay, guys, have a great week and um, I'll catch you on the flip side. Bye-bye. If you'd like to be notified for any of my upcoming podcasts, be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to help this girl out, then please rate, review, and share my show. Thanks, guys.